Hi, I'm Bastian Schweinziger, and this is BR Football Ranks. Happy New Year, Rank Squad. Welcome to 2020. I keep having dreams of nine goal thrillers and invincible teams. I keep having visions of last ditch tackles and passing incisions. I look to the future and I see it all. Premier League sunsets with a glistening match ball. Serie A nights under the lights. Free kicks, deep breaths, setting your sights. Bundesliga roaring, La Liga touring. A game that never, ever gets boring. Eradicate hate, look after your fellow fan. That's enough malevolence from man to man. Open your horizons, open your mind, watch every game you can be nice be kind somewhere along the line we lost our sight that this is entertainment it's not always a fight we lost our ability to appreciate the game at the top level or sunday league the point is the same we lost our ability to be gracious in victory magnanimous in defeat to admit that an old enemy has been much too much too good to beat at the end of the day it's football one and all it's the same kicking of the same round ball so walk strong walk hard walk tall be passionate be wild give it your all and remember this game is the best in the world nothing else gives you that last minute curled screamer that changes every single thing that makes your heart take flight and begin to sing give us more perfection give us more class give us more of that perfect pass more winners at Wembley and more fans screaming for 2020 football Keep us dreaming. Yeah, mate. Got tears in my eyes here. Beautiful, beautiful. And a happy new year to you, Jack. Happy new year all. Happy new year to Mr. Sam Ty. Yo. Happy new year to Mr. Dean Jones. Happy new year, lads. And happy new year to you, Rack Squad. We are into a new decade. We are. Football. The VAR decade. The VAR decade. <laughs> the decade in which we all stop watching football after that poem. We've <laughs> <laughs> just been nice. You know, we've just gone, we've gone from pure perfection to pure mess straight away. Um, how are you? How are your Christmases? Do you have a good time? I had a great one, mate. Yeah, very nice time. Yeah, I hosted Christmas. Uh, Did you? For, for, you know, one half of my family, eight of us, it was carnage. But I actually think we nailed it. We did really well. My sister was actually actively annoyed that I didn't look stressed. She got in the door and she went, you look fine. What's happening? He's like, because I want to take one. You've ordered it from me. <laughs> Domino's will be here in a minute. <laughs> it's because Rachel was cooking. Yeah, yeah Rachel exactly. did everything. Rachel Sam was super watching. stressed, but I was fine. Yeah, you just sat there watching football, probably. <laughs> How was Dylan's Christmas? Do you have a good yeah, time? Yeah, Dylan had a good first Christmas that he'll remember, I think. Well, he won't remember it in a few years, but he actually knew what was going on for once. So, um, yeah, got a bit stressed out the amount of presents that he was getting at one point. So we had to take a few back. It but... all gets a bit much for him, doesn't it, at a certain point? Absolutely, yeah. He just starts whacking me when he gets a bit a bit stressed out. So you know that's time to take some presents away from him when he comes over and hits me on the head. My dad always tells a story that when I was younger, I got all these presents, and all I wanted to do was play with the cardboard box. So yeah, he, came he didn't in, actually do like... that. To be fair, he didn't do that, which I, I was expecting. But um, he did get a remote control car, which uh, he's terrified of. Basically, just run. <laughs> he thinks it's chasing him, so he'd, that hasn't got down. Great, absolutely. Well, well, someone that did get a Christmas present, a belated Christmas present, was Borussia Dortmund. I did. Who have just signed. Wonder Kid Erling Haaland. We've talked about him in a lot. We've talked about him in terms of what he's about, what he brings to the table. But I think given the magnitude of this transfer and obviously before the transfer window really began, it is worth discussing this in depth. Yeah. So instead of doing hot takes today, we're doing Haaland takes. Um, and they're going to be three burning questions. I'm going to start with you, Sam. Is he worth the money? Okay, so how much money did he cost? 
It's about 45 million euros, it seems like, if you add it all up together. But don't um, add it all in together. Just take it for face value at what his release clause was straight off, right? It was about 20 million euros. 20 million euros. Who are you signing right now, anywhere else, that's this good for 20 million euros straight off one fee? There's hardly anyone yeah. that you're going to get. No one of that quality. No, not at all. I mean, it just seems like the only people that you can get for that for for close to that amount of money of that quality all play for RB Salzburg because yeah. they've all got criminally low release clauses. Yeah. We've seen already. We've seen Takumi Minamino join Liverpool for like seven million pounds. Salzburg are going to be wrecked. Well, yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> if Huang leaves as well, they're absolutely done it's for. Absolutely yeah. crazy. So they'll have more in the mean, pipeline. Ireland obviously a little bit more than that, but yeah, twenty million euros as a face value fee is ridiculously good value. Obviously, there's been a lot of consternation and hand-wringing from certain clubs and different media outlets pushing different briefs, which I found quite funny. Yeah. Uh, notably, Italian media and also anyone connected to Manchester United have all been saying, well, look, I mean, Mino Iola, the super agent, he's a nightmare to deal with. Yeah, he's uh, taking the, all this cut. United, Juventus, they decided not to bother themselves with this. Well, look, we know because already we'd sp- Dean had already spoken about Haaland in our uh, Calcio update that Haaland basically didn't want to join Juve. And if he doesn't want to join Juve, he doesn't want to join Manchester United or basically anyone other than where he chose because imagine not wanting to join Juve. Like, that leaves you with a very specific set of clubs. And it's very clear that he's prioritised certain things here. And... Look, I think the total value of this of this transfer seems to be with signing on fees to his uh, to his father, to, uh, fees to his agent. From reports, it looks like it's about forty five million euros. I mean, that's that's fine. That it's also the cut. It's the fine. cut of the next transfer, isn't who it? Who cares? Gets, no, look, I'm not. I'm not saying this is, that this it's is wrong. my issue with it. Just like who cares about that? Like this is money. Well, like, United do clearly. Well, they don't care about paying eighty five million pound for Harry Maguire, but they care about this. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And I think that this is the United fans' big problem. And United's big problem going forward because they've got. It's all very well having like moral standards and being like, okay, we don't want to get involved in that. But if you don't get involved in that then you miss out on the player of the next decade. And they, they've now missed out on it. Like, whether they get him next time, I doubt, because his fees are going to be even bigger. And if they're not willing to get involved now, then when do they? And I, it just makes me laugh that United are, like, sending out these messages right now about, oh, well, his demands were too much. It's like, no, <laughs> he didn't want to join you, ultimately. He, it's, it's, I tweeted about it, talking about stepping stones, and that's why he's gone to Dortmund first. I didn't mean that... A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, because uh, United are a better team than Dortmund. I don't mean that. Like, United are a bigger club than Borussia Dortmund. But more than that, the Premier League is so much more demanding on a young player. And if you flop in those first six months, you might never recover from it. And Look at Memphis. Exactly. And that's why Haaland was advised to stay away from it for now, because the chance is going to come. We'll know what he's capable of. We've already seen it this season. And... Um, so Man United, like, just be quiet for now and just accept the fee. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad, it's a also, bad loss. It's also much it. easier to get a player out of Dortmund than it is at a top Premier League side. Yeah, basically, yeah, it's much easier to do. It so. is if, a stepping stone so club. If, if Haaland is thinking Dortmund's not my final destination, but it is my interim destination, Fine. then he's he's picked the right team. You don't go to United to move on. Yeah, that's not what happens unless you leave in disgrace, like certain players. Well, have. this was going to be my next question: Has he made the right decision for himself? And uh, and for me, it's obviously a yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, playing time wise, this is a good this is a good move. Um, Would he fit the style? 
I think there's going to be a little bit of an adaption period here. Now, we've seen him in the Champions League, fine. So you've got a reasonable barometer of what he's capable of. But I'm sure that all those people that were impressed with him in the Champions League also noticed that, you know, occasionally attacks, when they get quite technical, um, they break down around him. He, he's a huge guy. And his feet don't big all, fella. His feet don't always catch up with his brain in, in the way that you would like them to. But because he's physically so massive, like it's very difficult for that to happen. So he's got a fair bit of working out to do. But for those that are think are look watching that and thinking, oh well, you know, technically he's useless, etc. What go back and watch Kylian Mbappe when he first shot onto the scene with Monaco. He looked in the same way that Marcus Rashford did, not completely in control of his own limbs. Very clumsy. Yeah, and the odd rogue touch, he used to kick it out of play a little bit. He's just catching up. And the hope is that that, 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 that takes place. Over the course of the next couple of years, by the time he hits 21, his feet and his brain will be in tune. And there's no reason to think that doesn't happen. If his feet do catch up with his brain and he becomes technically you know, very, very gifted... He's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty there, much. There's going to be very few people in the world that can compete with that level of striker, given his physical presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of everything else, he's got all We're the traits. About yeah. a, you know, a, a kind of almost Jogba-esque player in, th- in how powerful, yeah. but still technically gifted, he possibly could be. Yeah. I think. I think if his feet don't catch up with his brain, you're looking at a Romelu Lukaku style forward who is still fringe elite level, like very, very good, not quite the best. If that's your flaw, we come back to. We come back to 45 million euros and you say, well, obviously you do that. All right, last question. Sam, does this make Dortmund title favourites? It's tough, isn't it? Because, I mean, Dean's right, they need a striker. And it's really hard to say, to to have confidence in saying yes until they also pick up probably the centre-back that they might need. Um, Or maybe if Lucien Favre actually finds a way to properly harness all of these players in a consistent manner... But yeah, I think it. I think it does. Like, obviously, I picked them to win the Bundesliga ahead of the season. They're not quite there, but they're in the mix. They're seven points off. They're currently. in the mix. They're in the mix. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not, I'm not saying that's um, too far away. I'm I, just... I'm going to go with yes. It's a bit. It's a. It's a bold call, but I, I think he makes. I think he makes a serious difference at the sharp end of the pitch, and having that consistent focal point. I think he's going to make a world of difference. Allow Favre to actually coordinate his midfield better. Um, and they do seem to be getting better as the season goes on anyway. Yeah, they have like he been. has recently changed formations to try and alleviate the defensive concerns. He's gone with a 3-4-3, which is, is helping, is making them better. They played out a hell of a game against Leipzig just before Christmas, which really showed you that these two teams, they really are on the same par. And I think, I think yeah. this does push and them then they went the and edge. Lost, then they went and lost to Hoffenheim. Yeah, they did. They did. It's Less said about very, that, the better. Less said about it's just a very strange thing going on all over there. Dortmund, Dortmund are Jekyll and Hyde, aren't they? I, I don't know if this is the answer, but I do think it, makes, it puts them in a better position. I mean, you've got a front three if, if when they play that formation of, of Jadon Sancho one side, uh, Torgan Hazard the other, and Erling Haaland through the middle. Plus, you've got Royce and Goetzer and Brandt to fit around that. Like... You're getting a lot of goals out of this team. Like I know they're going to have problems at the back, but they're going to outscore people now. And I think that this was a big problem they did have at times in the first half of the season. So I do think results are going to improve. Obviously, Bundesliga is very tight at the moment. Um, there's three or four teams that realistically will believe that they can win the league. Um, yeah. I'm this, just going to say, yeah. This is a team that is built to win games 4-3. Yeah. But they didn't have the striker to score exactly. the four goals they're still going to concede loads so yeah, yeah I think they have to go back to four at the back I don't think you can fit yeah. Royce 
Hazard, Sancho, Brandt and Haaland into the side unless you have four at the back. It makes it almost impossible. Mm. You have yeah. to almost play a 4-2-3-1 yeah, if yeah. this is going to work. And Brandt's going to have to sit next to Witzel or Delaney, you'd imagine, or, or Julian Weigl. Well, you, might, and, you, might, you might get Torgan Hazard at left wing back instead of Nico Schultz because he plays there for Belgium that, yeah. might, that might solve one of them and then you might end up playing Brandt in central midfield where of course he does play Yeah, no, I, I just but think it's, it's just not very solid in there with two and one is Brandt so yeah I, I think they're going to have to go back to four at the back which does mean that a centre back becomes crucial in mm. this window True. Um, but obviously we're going to discuss more transfer stories next Dean you've got a, a transfer storylines ranking coming up for us is this is a big Dean Jones ranking yeah we've got a big DJ ranking we're kicking off the new year with a Dean Jones big ranking I've been waiting one year for this did we not do one at the last <laughs> we definitely did one last time I must no. have done one at the start of the last transfer window no well always, we should have always me um, okay well here we are we've got Dean Jones ranking there you are new year special yeah. new year new rank squad it's yeah I'll about. do it every week if you want <laughs> yeah exactly Brilliant. I think it'll be better for everyone yeah, I think it'll be a much better podcast we'll be back <laughs> after the break <laughs> to talk transfer stories don't go anywhere Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is time for this week's main ranking. And we are into transfer season, which means there is only one man for the job. Dean Jones, you are going to rank the top five storylines of the January transfer window for us, aren't oh, you? I wasn't sure if you were talking about me then. I thought you had like Duncan Castles or someone coming in. <laughs> <laughs> only one man for the job around these parts, mate. You know that. Um, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. What, are you, what have you got for us? Well, the biggest two have already happened, haven't they? Harlan's <laughs> yeah. gone. Ibrahimovic is gone. Yeah, so yeah. in terms of big names, I mean, bit of an anticlimax because we've had two huge ones announced before January. And but Minamino went to Liverpool like a full twelve days away. There are three it was big transfers Christmas. to happen before we even get underway. I've heard Van Dijk went, didn't he? Van Dijk went before Christmas. Yeah. Nemanja Vidic signed for United on Christmas Day, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was a random one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah, this is so essential. I've got a lot of respect for clubs that can get their house in order and get this stuff yeah. done. Like this doesn't have to take twenty nine days of January. Just get it done. It's quite classic, actually. To be fair, we talk about that Vidic transfer as United, and now it is Liverpool making those transfers before the deadline, oh, making yeah. you know sensibly run. And you think about those in, in kind of contrasting fortunes. Yeah. And, and imagine. Well, I'll start at thought. number five with a Man United target, shall I? So yeah, do it. at number five, we're talking. January storylines here, so I'm looking at the men that are going to really dominate um, everything that's spoken about. At five, I'm going Christian Eriksen because he's already been spoken about for the last six months, and we're going to probably get another six months out of this lad yet. Um, so we're looking at Christian Eriksen, uh, Real Madrid, Man United, new contract in that order. So. <laughs> New contract, not happening. Like, he does not want to stay at Tottenham Hotspur any longer. As soon as Mourinho came in, Ericsson kind of made it clear to him that, like, his stance isn't changing. It's not anything to do with the fact that, apart beyond that, he has ambitions to go and try somewhere else, better himself. Now, Man United are one of the clubs in for him. Um, reports at the moment suggesting that they want to wait until the summer to sign him when he'll be available on a free transfer. Could they not sign a pre-contact? Well, this is the thing. So he will be able to sign, he'll be able to agree terms soon. And you don't wait for a player like Christian Eriksen until the summer. Like, this, Eriksen's going to know what his future is by March. Like, he's, he's not silly. He's had this in his mind for a long time about his next move. So, his, and he's also, solely his dream is not to join Man United. So he had the chance to join them. He dreams of not joining Man United. His dream is not <laughs> to join them. So, when they had this... Don't we all? Yeah. He has dreams where he's like, I'm just not going to end up there. This is fantastic. No. So United, <laughs> in for him in the summer. Ericsson didn't take it up, basically. And the reason being that his dream is 
to end up at Real Madrid. He wants to play in La Liga and that's where he sees himself in the next phase of his career. And fair enough, because I think the opportunity does now start to open up. Real Madrid looking at a long-term successor, if you like, to Luka Modric. And why not Christian Eriksen? Look, he's been going to become available for around £25-30 million pounds if you sign him in January. That's a good deal. Like, obviously, yes, he can become available on a free transfer, but you can skip the queue here. You can jump in front of everyone, pay some money. We're talking earlier about Haaland being a steal, the kind of money that Dortmund have got him for. Again, like £25 million, a player of Christian Eriksen's standard. Yeah, yeah. Not happening, is it? Yeah, I get it. Anywhere I get else? it. We, we, we've talked about Real Madrid's transfer targets and midfield targets for the last six months or so. Jack, you and I have always been in agreement that a player like Ericsson or a player like Pogba shouldn't be on their shopping list because they always needed something else. But they over, found the, that over the last two months, Federico Valverde's emergence has potentially changed he's, the script. He's changed, he's changed my viewpoint. Are you in tune Yeah, again? no, I agree. I, I think, look, I'm not, I'm not sure yet that Fede Valverde is the long-term solution for, for Real Madrid. I'm not saying he's not. I'm, I'm just yeah, yeah. not. I'm not completely and utterly convinced. But it's a hell of a club has, that you have to We play have for. moved so far along in the argument, and I think that the fact that he's played alongside Casemiro for quite a lot of this this period yeah. it is probably what's playing a little bit on my mind. You know, can he do that role on his own yet? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe he can. But you know, maybe it's just a, a case of learning from Casemiro right now. But I think Ericsson to Real Madrid makes a lot of sense at, at this point especially when you look at that figure that's been turned around. If you, if you look at the figures for Pogba and you look at what they'd be paying to get Christian Eriksen at, what, a third of that? Yeah. More? Le quarter? You know, it, it seems like such a steal at this point. I guess the big question for me when you're talking Real Madrid and Eriksen is whether there's any sort of scope of, of Gareth Bell going back the other way. Is there is there talk of any sort of swap deal going on? Because, as you know, me and Sam are big fans of a swap deal. <laughs> it's not gonna be a, yeah, it's not going to be a swap deal. No, but, with um, monies. Spurs would, um, Daniel Levy, I think I've said on here before, has suggested the idea even to Mourinho when he first came in, the, you know, if you if you want Gareth Bale, we can try to do that. Um, not sure Mourinho is that keen on the idea. I think that he thinks there's other parts of the squad that they'd be better off rebuilding He's in. He's probably right as well. He probably is right. Um, and I'm not sure that Bale's 100% convinced that going back to Tottenham is a good idea. I think that... I suggest that Bale's next move is going to be very lucrative and he'll end up in China or Paris. To close the point, from Tottenham's perspective, because we haven't spoken about that, they need as many solutions to these contractual problems as they can get. And that, if that means Ericsson leaving, that is unbelievably a good thing. Even though he is absolute class, they've managed to sign Toby Alderweireld to an extension. They need to do something similar with him, so with, with Vertonghen. Either sign him or sell him. Like they need, they need closure. Just answers. Yeah. On Danny these, Rose on these surely has to leave. So many lingering problems that you just don't know right. where they're going to go with. And as soon, the sooner they figure those out, the better, because the sooner they can get their house in order. Yeah. And it, it, it sounds crazy, but like Ericsson needs to go. You can see him on the pitch. He just doesn't want to play for Tottenham, and you can see it. Yeah, As yeah. he moves, he, does, he doesn't want to no. be there and he's not being nice selected. Nice free kick the other day, though. Yeah, he did do that. Um, was a good free kick. Watch out for Juve as well. I've heard that um, there might be some headlines on him. They don't need any more they midfielders. Def- no, so that means they'll probably sign another one. <laughs> yeah. Replace Emre Chan. Anyway, number four. Uh, Lucas Paqueta to PSG. Yeah, I've seen this. Um, it's an interesting one and it's, it's going to roll on a little bit now. Um, so negotiations already started on this. Um, they're trying to get ahead of January and getting this in deal in place so that he'll join early on in the month, looking at 30 to 40 million euros if they can sign him from AC Milan. Um, 
one of my favourite players for Milan on paper because mm. I do love like watching him in spells. But me and Sam were talking about this earlier, and you just never feel that you've seen the whole package from him in like one game like there's always yeah. something missing I wish I wish he was a bit better the whole packet uh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was a little bit better he's one of those players that I think if you were 10% better you'd be unbelievable mate because I think he has basically all the tools to do everything he's like physically he's great technically he's great he has that aggression that bite he scores he assists but he doesn't do all of it all the time yeah and it, it I feel like it's going to come together for him at some point it's all going to happen it, but it could take three years and it's not happening here's right now. a question for you is Lucas Paqueta better than Pablo Sarabia because I would say no Right now he's not. Yeah, he's not. and this is what makes this a strange move for me because mm. Sarabia's been in and out of the PSG team. Obviously, there's a lot of talent there, but it doesn't feel like they need a Lucas Paqueta right now. It, it feels like that's, that squad's actually quite well balanced for once. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't think that there's massive problems with the PSG squad right now, and obviously they're going to try and strengthen, especially, Dean, like you say, with, with those potential outgoings in the summer. They're going to obviously look to bring in players now to, to right. kind of cover those roles, but... I don't know where Paqueta really fits in for me right now. No, I think this is the couple of strands here. First of all, I, I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not. I actually didn't expect PSG to be heading into January looking to spend thirty or forty million pounds on a player who plays in that kind of position. I just, I just didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. Then again, PSG operate on in a different, slightly different rule rule book, don't they? And secondly. Some of the confusion you're feeling there is that you still probably don't know exactly what kind of player Paqueta is and exactly which position he should play. Mm. I think that's completely fair. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not really sure either because they say he has all of these raw tools. He doesn't put it all together. I think potentially he's a great player, but there's so many questions for him to answer for himself that what Thomas Tuchel ex- exactly is, is looking at him and thinking, right, he is this or he is that. It's impossible to say what his, his yeah. plan is for him. We can't tell. I always tell. think of he's going to be a creator. And he's not really, because, I mean, this season he's got 13 appearances for Milan. He's got one assist. And he's been kind of varied between playing a bit deeper and playing attacking midfield. So, again, like Sam says, he's actually been deeper more than he's been forward think, yeah, as well. Yeah, he plays more as a number eight. Yeah. has been an... Yeah, he's a, yeah. I, and I in that role, though, you've got Ander Herrera knocking at the door. You've got you know different yeah. players in different yeah. positions. And and look, I appreciate the PSG, but the the problem with these kind of signings, and I, and I kind of feel the same about Sarabia. And don't get me wrong, I love Sarabia. I think he's absolutely class. But if you lose your Neymar, your Mbappes, your Cavani's, your Icardi's, even, and you replace them with players like Sarabia, Herrera, mm-hmm. uh, Paqueta, or, or that kind of player. The PSG run the risk of becoming like an Atletico Madrid, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like a, pl- a lot of players who are sort of close to the top level but not really there yet, and and that seems like a strange manoeuvre for a club looking to go and win Champions Leagues. I mean, I agree, but just how sustainable is is PSG's attempts to do this? No, like, I, I don't know. Like like with with the players that are, we we think are going to end up leaving the club in the next twelve to eighteen months, the players like Mbappe and Neymar, like like how many times can they go through this? How many times can they recruit these players? Well, maybe it is. Maybe the model is to go back to a, a Dortmund kind of model, an athletic model where they actually bring in a group of players who are, are maybe not all massive superstars, but actually do mesh together Probably a little sensible. bit. And it is, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's potentially a thing. I'm just yeah. Well, at number three, yeah. it's a player who is going out the door at PSG. It's Cavani. Right. Yeah. 
So Cavani um, contract coming to an end. There was talk of Inter Miami being his next destination. He's not wholly convinced on that idea. Um, so it kind of throws um, any movements on him moving to MLS right now. And there's been suggestions that Atleti are moving ahead with a deal to sign him now. Definitely, um, talks have been ongoing on this one. Uh, personal terms, um, an advanced stage, and they were trying to look at. Um, how they now get him out of PSG. So Do they PS- want him now or do they want him in the summer? They want him now. Yeah. PSG don't want him to go right now. Like they're like we can make an agreement now, he can go at the end of the season as planned. Um but there's now some confusion from the Atleti end about whether this is a, a good move to go ahead with and if it doesn't suit them exactly as they had imagined in the first place, maybe there's better options for them out there and something that seems to be coming onto the horizon right now is that Erling Haaland's arrival at Borussia Dortmund opens the door for Paco Alcacer to exit the club. Now, so on just just quickly before we move on to Alcacer, Enzo Cavani's uh, Wikipedia already says he's an Atletico Madrid player, <laughs> which like is a, interesting. I saw you typing. Did you just change? Yeah, that? did you just change that? Well, no, because I've been I've been quite like looking at, and there's a couple of different people who are saying this is a done deal. Um, which is, which is interesting, you know, a couple of articles, the ultimate Simeone signing, but it's come too late. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things already saying that this is this is done. Basically. Yeah, well, there was the reports that he'd signed a three year contract. And I think it was just um, it was a little premature. But like, I think that's what I was saying there in terms of personal terms being confirmed. Oh, sorry, being advanced stage. That's where they were at. So they were like, OK, so you would come in. This would be your terms. This is how much money you'd be earning. Um, the sticking point is between the two clubs. OK, yeah. So that's that's where the uh, confusion has come. Cavani feels like a player that's already played for, uh, for Atletico Madrid. I agree. But he hasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. I totally like, agree. Just like, he's obviously been there before, but he, he hasn't. <laughs> the, the headline you just read out with the perfect Simeone player, but a bit too late. It's probably how I feel. Although I do think he's probably a year at his peak there. Um, that is largely about right. He does feel like such a Simeone player. The thing is, as Dean says, both clubs realise that they both need him for the for the second half of the season. Like yeah. Atletico, oh, they need someone to help Morata there. They need someone to step into Costa's shoes and give them a legitimate goal-scoring threat. Otherwise, they're not going to challenge for anything this season. And then conversely, PSG know that if they lose a Cardi to injury... They're going to blow their Champions League hopes, and they are legitimate hopes. So if they end up selling off Cavani for what will be an absolutely nominal fee yep. in January, perhaps even for free, and let him go, and then something happens to Icardi, they'll be kicking themselves. Yeah, It'll absolutely. Be so silly. Yeah, so it's an interesting storyline heading into January because um, he is a great signing if they manage to get him through the door. But there is now this uh, opportunity that perhaps they can get Alcacer, um, Atleti, or PSG. Atleti, Atleti. Yeah, Atleti getting Alcacer instead of Cavani. So. A very different type of striker, a very different type of signing. These, but are, these are completely different players. Yeah. Um, They're just forwards, aren't they? I guess the, the thing I would say is that when an opportunity... What I suggest would have happened here, I don't know this for sure, but when um, Alcacer finds out that Haaland's joining, you know, hasn't had a lot of game time himself already this season. I'm not sure he started a game in the last couple of months, to be honest with you. He's had injuries. Not, he has had injuries. Not since his injury. Yeah. So um, he's going to find it even more difficult now to get game time. Last season had a really important role there for them and made this really big impact. And as was a super, as a super sub. As a sub, like, yeah. That's the thing. Um, I'm not sure that he's happy with that anymore. Um, and I guess what would have been done is that noises would have been made between intermediaries who go to clubs and sound them out and say, would you be interested if he becomes available? And I guess Atleti would be interested in the 
potentially signing him if the terms were right. So um, they need I th- someone, but he's but a goal scorer. He is. Yeah, yeah, that is just, the truth of the matter. I'm not sure the Pacquiao says the answer for Atletico Madrid, but. He yeah. does score goals. I, yeah. don't, I, just don't, I do not understand how you can have a shortlist for a striker and it can inv- and it can include both Cavani and Alcacer. It just says to me that they're looking for literally anyone. Or yeah. anyone that put the ball on the back because, of the net. Yeah, because they're not... They're but not, it's back... You think uh, a couple of years ago when Man United and Chelsea were supposed to sign Lukaku and Morata and Morata was supposed to go to United and Lukaku was supposed to go to Chelsea yeah. and they ended up signing opposite clubs and it was not the right fit for either of them yeah. um, that's just what happens it's just a weird way and bad way in which football clubs are run and recruitment goes badly yeah. because um, managers are not in full control of it absolutely. So there's, not, there's not that many strikers in that kind of top bracket in that top elite level who who are available at any given time right so yeah, obviously think- there are a wealth of people in that bracket but actually people who are up for sale if you will, or available to be moved on. Yeah, and I think that's when you see, um, so example, a player that will move in January is Olivier Giroud. No room for him at Chelsea. Suddenly Inter Milan and Juve are in for him because you're like, well, yeah, he could do a job for us. Like Olivier Giroud guaranteed to score goals in some shape or form, like whether it's a starter, probably not, but maybe as a sub, if he's willing to get a bit more game time, he's getting at Chelsea. Then it just opens up. You can't turn down players that score goals like that because... Goals are becoming harder to come by because of VAR. (laughs) (laughs) They're harder to score than ever. Should Giroud go to Atletico? Maybe. I think that's one that makes 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 plenty more sense. Um, If if you're looking for a Cavani-esque striker, not that they're the same player anymore, but at least they have the same kind of physical ability Mm, uh, in a way that Paco perhaps doesn't. Yeah. You know, it would seem to fit more than an Alcacer. Although, you know, this is it. Look, Atletico, we spoke about them a lot this year and, and we were really excited about this athletic side and they haven't quite hit the heights we were expecting of them but they create a reasonable amount they just can't score goals yeah they'll, yeah. Just, they'll get better and better they do need to they do obviously just need to find the solutions up front I just think the idea of Trippier crossing to Giroud is even VAR can't stop that true Absolutely. Nothing can stop because that. Because you'll be scoring headers from the edge of the box and there'll be like seven players in front of him. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Who's in next, Dean? Number two in the list of players you'll be reading loads about in the next month is Wilfred Zaha. You could have said that any time over the last three years. A player years. who is desperate to leave his current club, which is very strange because he's played very handsomely where he is right now. And he's under the greatest manager in the game. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, Zaha wants to leave. He wants to. He wants to change. He wants to get out of Crystal Palace. Um, he gave an interview to the Daily Mail last summer, um, in which he spelled out every, all his hopes and dreams. Basically, wants to get to a Champions League club. Blah blah blah. The problem is for Wilfred Zaha that one, he's not in great form this season. Two, he's completely overvalued, if you ask me. So Crystal Palace want eighty million pound upwards for Wilfred Zaha. No one's paying that money for Wilfred Zaha right now. There is no value in that because there's no sell-on and you're not even sure what you're getting from him right now. And he's certainly not going to find a Champions League club willing to pay that. He's such a mercurial player. It's like... So Chelsea were were really interested in Wilfred Zaha. Frank Lampard really likes him. Um, Obviously, Chelsea's transfer embargo now gone. They they can open the door to signing uh, people and they'll definitely do that. Um, but Zaha has kind of gone out the window for them straight away because they're like, well, unless you lower your valuation of him quite significantly, like we're not touching that. There's there's better value to be had for that type of player. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and he's not going to go. The only thing I would say is that I've spoken to a couple of people at Palace who reckon that 80 million is kind of like this figure that they're throwing out there. Realistically, they would t- they're going to take 60 from him in the end, 50-60, because the player's been so keen to go for so long at some point 
you got to cash in on him. He's been very well behaved, hasn't he? When his contract up. He signed a new one, didn't he? So, yeah, that's, um, his, that's what he keeps doing. Yeah. He keeps signing new deals. Yeah, because they probably offer him significantly more amounts of money, which is, is kind of fair enough, I suppose, yeah, from a personal do. perspective. Yeah, he became their best played player um, August 2018. Year. He signed a five-year deal in 2018. 130 grand a week, no release clause. Um, yeah, look, I he's a good, kind of very good player, very there, exciting Wolf. player. I just don't think... I think, he, you know, a year ago... He just looked a much better proposition than he does right now. The thing is, this is right. I think a year ago, the club that it seemed like he was most likely to join, based on the reports that we got and the information we had, was Everton. Yeah. Everton were the the most strongly in. Everton are not a Champions League club. They were not at the time, and they're even further away from it now. Now, if if one of his dreams is to go to a Champions League club, and and, and what he wants to do is push himself into into a Champions League side, obviously you don't sign for Everton because they're not in it. And it felt like it got to a point last summer where he was so desperate to leave, he'd kind of take anything. Yeah. So well, he, has, he hasn't done that, but he, need, he needs to make sure that he continues to... I, you know what? Don't rule out Everton, because I think it could be, end up becoming his only potential destination. Why do Everton keep signing wingers? They don't the, need any more wingers. Well, the, thing is, the problem Everton have got, not a problem, but Mashiri, um, who... He's kind of in, in charge of these things rather than Marcel Brands, who should be. Yeah, this um, does seem like a weird dynamic. Well, Mashiri just has these dreams to get in the biggest names he possibly can. And that's, to be fair, why they've ended up with Ancelotti, because he wanted like this big name to kind of come in. He's tried all sorts of things, to be honest, since he's been at the club. You know, Ibrahimovic, there was reports of him going there. And it was real, because Mashiri's like, well, look, why can't we have him? Mm. Um and Zaha is one of the players that he's been like, well, we could get him in. It's like, well, you've already got quite a few players like that. And you've certainly had a lot of players like that in the past that haven't really worked out. So the only thing that could Hat be a selling Andy point Van for Zaha is that Everton are going to be on the turn now. Ancelotti, I think, will turn things around at Everton. I think it, it's a good appointment. I think it's a weird appointment, but I think it's a good appointment. And I, I think, think that, that right. could convince him that, OK, well, they're going to head in a direction that's eventually going to be further up the food chain than Crystal Palace currently is. And it could be that they end up, at least in European football, if it's not the Champions League, maybe Europa League. So, anyway, oh, how old is Zaha? He's going to read loads He's 27. About. He's 27. He hasn't got that long left. Hang on a minute. <laughs> He's not dying. Yeah, come on. No, no, no. But like, as in at the top level, at the top level, especially if you're a winger and your biggest aspects are pace and trickery. No, fair, fair. Like, yeah. I don't think Wilf has that long. If he wants to play in the Champions League, yeah. he, he hasn't really got that much kind of to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And when he hits 29, people will be even more reluctant. Well, yeah, this is what you're saying about no sell-on, money. right? He doesn't no, have any no value in the market there. past 29. And also, let's not forget his history at Man United, because he's already been at a big club and it didn't work out for him. He didn't really get a game. He didn't get game. That was a long, long time ago. I would hope that people don't factor that in, but they probably they will. They probably will, mate, because it's such a large amount of money to pay. And you're like, well, if he didn't do it back then at that age and he, you know, he struggled, then what is there to prove from the last year that we've seen from him that he's going to be able to do it now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we've done a good job of ruling this out. But it doesn't mean you won't read about it every single day. Well, that's the thing. That you, you will read about it. it. And Tottenham, I, I do think, will still be in the. You'll still read something about Tottenham because um, they have been interested in him for so long. They mm. haven't wanted to go near that figure. And if they were to, then Gareth Bale's there for not a lot more than that. So he would certainly go down that route, I'd imagine. Yeah. The biggest Thank name you. I think you'll read the most about over the next month is Jaden Sancho. Okay. Let's now, it. let's start by saying he won't leave Borussia Dortmund this month. Like He'll remain a Borussia Dortmund player for the rest of the season. But that does not mean that we won't see Jadon Sancho sign for another team. 
in the next month. Think back to what happened with Christian Pulisic. I was going to say. Going to Chelsea. Uh, think back even, not even uh, related to that club in particular, but Frankie de Jong's transfer to Barcelona. Like Things do happen where you can get an agreement in place and a big transfer is made. And Jadon Sancho is an example where that is definitely possible. Now, Man United, I'm told, are very keen on this idea. I was told a couple of months back, like, this is one of their big plans. You'll see United make a couple of signings in January. They won't be significant names, but they have got big plans for the summer market. And one of those is trying to get an early deal in the place for Jadon Sancho. The problem for United is that, obviously, they're not going to be the only team looking at Jadon Sancho. Um, In the Premier League, they're going to be competing with Liverpool, who like him, but his valuation is around 120 million euros. I can't see Liverpool going near that. Especially um, when they've just signed Minamino. Yeah. It, just, it should just upset the balance of that team and that squad. And mm. for that amount of money, he's going to expect to start games. And you just can't guarantee that. Chelsea, now in for him. Um, it's a lot of money. And we were just talking about how they wouldn't be willing to pay um, 80 million for Zaha. I think Jadon Sancho, very different proposition. Very um, different. 19 years of age for a start. Absolutely. Um, from London as well. Everyone says he supports Chelsea. I don't know whether that's true or not. But he's certainly got a lot of friends in London, friends at the football club. Might have a bearing. Who knows? And then people don't seem to realise as well that Man City, they always forget that Man City have this option to buy him back. Now, it's something they can't ignore and they're obviously going to have to consider. So, yeah, I think Jadon Sancho, even though he's going to stay at Borussia Dortmund for now, he's the one to watch in this window. I can see a, a pre-agreement being set in. Fair okay. enough. Oh, nice. that, I mean, look, some of the best January work a club can do is the groundwork for a big summer deal. Yeah. yeah, obviously it doesn't, it doesn't catch the headlines and it's not that fun to talk about, but if Man United put the groundwork in for a Jadon Sancho deal this, this window, they would have had an unbelievably successful Absolutely. January transfer window. Absolutely quick, agree. Quick check-in on Sancho. Do you remember my sub-prediction for when I said Dortmund will win the league? Mm. And I said that Sancho would go 20 goals, 20 assists in the league. Yeah. He's on 9-9 nine and nine at the halfway stage. That is not bad. He is, he is getting there. He's one of the only things that's going well for me in that set of predictions. As Sam said, like... Getting your house in order for the following season is one of the best things that you can do in January because often, you know, people do throw money around in this window and they, when they panic and those deals don't work out, as we've seen. It's often late on in the window as well. Um, it doesn't often transform your season or save it or whatever it's supposed to do. So, um, mm. yeah, I'm excited to see what does happen with them. Absolutely. Right. Well, thank you very much to Dean Jones for a wonderful ranking. Big Dean Jones ranking. We are we kick off 2020 in style, Rank Squad, and obviously keep an eye out for these transfer rumours. We'll be back after the break with Roulette and Melon of the Decade. See you in a bit. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is time for that roulette wheel. Let's give her a spin. Okay. First question in the 2020 wheel. Will Mikel Arteta improve Arsenal? Dean Jones, I'm going to you first. I uh, can't get much worse, yes. <laughs> I think he will, yeah. I think that, he already um, has to an extent. He actually already has, yeah. I think that on the back of um, Arsenal's start under him, you've seen fans actually tweeting quite optimistically and talking about him optimistically, and they seem quite happy. Obviously not happy to lose to Chelsea, but there are plenty of signs that things are changing obviously he's shown that he's willing to put faith in in younger players and players that were already there um part of the setup um that he knows well um gonna lean on Freddie Lundberg I imagine quite heavily for all his knowledge that he's, he's built while Ed Arteta's been over at Man City so I think that things are gonna really develop and I think that tactically he'll try some interesting concepts I think that 
there were things that Emery was trying to introduce um, that the players just didn't understand. I think that that's going to be a thing of the past, which will be really important. I think the players, from what I've heard so far, are just really upbeat about the way that things are going to change. And they like the fact that, for example, the night before the Chelsea game, just to change things, he took them to the Emirates. They they trained at night on the pitch. Um, it was just more. He's trying to change the mindset. He wants all the bad um, memories, if you like, all the bad habits out of their system. And it's just little things like that that will help them do it. Losing to Chelsea late on isn't going to help. <laughs> That'll eventually change. That's a microcosm of Arsenal, right? Yeah, now, I mean though, that game it? did yeah. kind of sum up. Arsenal's decade, I think, but yeah, it did. I, they were very unfortunate to lose that game. Yeah. Like the first first half, they showed clear and obvious tactical improvement. Um, the, the actual the actual structure of the team was very very good. I thought the spaces between the lines were very very good. Mesut Özil pressing and he ran past a player at one point. He outpaced Emerson, who was then promptly subbed. Yeah, rightly <laughs> so as well. Absolutely fair enough. Yeah, at Emerson. first, I was like, why is Frank Lampard substitute the left back? He's got three centre backs on the pitch and he's gone to a four four two. And then I was like. Oh, that bloke's got ramp. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Fair enough. Ozil, yep. Ozil outpaced him, so he was removed Checked from back the field as well. of play. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was working really hard. Like a lot of it was going really well. And this is again, this is kind of symbolic of their situation where they are improving and they are changing and they are doing better. And then there's just little lapses here and there. And obviously, they just got that goal. The first goal was just. It's just unlucky. I just yeah. felt bad for them. Like that happens to a team that are in that position. Uh-huh. It doesn't happen to a team that are confident. And those are just those growing pains that Arteta is going to have to work through. But I, at least I can kind of see in, initially what he's trying to do and where he's trying to go with it. Well, yeah, there, there seemed to be some structure in the team yeah. for the first time in ages. A long time. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that's kind of crucial. I still think they're massively missing a defensive midfielder. Look, I think Lucas Torreira is better there than their other options. He played quite well he against did Chelsea. Play quite well. But I'm just not sure he's the long term. I, I I still see him more as a box to box midfielder. Well, I, I think I do too. But I also see Gendouzi as that. I don't think they have any player right now that is actually able to sit. And I think that's kind of where they're falling down. Look, you know, their centre backs. Look, Mustafi was awful. He um, was when but, he came I mean, on. Again, he made so- three or four good blocks, and, and then, then for the another, goals, he fell apart. But another example of them just getting a bit unlucky, where Callum Chambers was having a good game and is undeniably having a first, good game, wonderful football. And he was a, he's a first choice centre back for them, and he ends up getting subbed off with an injury after 20, 25 minutes yeah. on a stretcher. Like it's just yeah. when you're down, you're down. Like, yeah, no, I completely happen. agree. I just think that Arsenal need a defensive midfielder. And actually, weird, we just talked about Eduardo Camavinga, right? Young French player in you know about to come through looking like he's going to make a breakout Arsenal should be front of the queue by all intents and purposes Mm -hmm. Arsenal should be front of the queue they're not even in the conversation they're not even in the conversation and I think that's a a, a stigma of how far Arsenal have fallen in this decade when Real Madrid are in the conversation no of course but like the thing is that like beforehand traditionally they would have been Arsenal would have snapped them up beforehand or they'd go okay you could go to Real Madrid but you won't get any game time. You can come here and start. Mm. Well, that's the thing. Arsenal used to find those players before now, didn't they? So they would have got him a year ahead of him breaking out like this. So, yeah, yeah you're, you're onto something there. But I think that's what they... I still think that Arsenal desperately need a defensive midfielder who defends. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and then he's set back. And once they get that... So there's only so much that Arteta can do in that in that regard until, course, until yeah. that happens. But you look for the signs, you look for things that you can latch onto and go, oh, I can see what he's doing there. And, oh, I know what he's trying to do. He got unlucky, but that's the plan and if you can see those things you can believe in him and I can see those things I like this appointment for Arsenal I think it's a good appointment I think it's a sensible appointment it's, for the first time in ages it looks like there's some sort of plan in place um, and, and that is enough I think for me if I was an Arsenal fan to be positive I agree we did we did our post-Emery podcast and we, we talked about you know, I did a top three replacements I didn't put Arteta in 
I would never do that because he's never been a manager. Yeah, I could never possibly just it. guess that he'd be good. So again, it's like this does look quite decent, but it's been a couple of games. Yeah, but at, as, as long as you, as long as you can see things that you believe in and you like the look of, you can be positive and optimistic about it. Absolutely right. Last one. Name one player who realistically Manchester United should sign in January. Sam, I'll go to you first on this one. This is difficult, man. I don't know what their strategy is, you know? Summer was, oh, we're only, we're only recruiting young, hungry British players. I don't know what it is this year. Well, all I've been told at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, is that to expect two signings, one of them a central midfielder, they want a striker. I'm not sure they're going to get a game-changing striker. I think, all, actually, Greenwood's kind of emergence this season has, has meant that they that's there's less pressure on that with Martial and Rashford in there as well. So I'd say, like... A central midfielder they're looking at as absolutely essential. But are they looking for a long-term building block or do they want an experienced head? That, are they still going with the let's build a core? I think for that right now, yeah, I think that they're looking for someone reasonably young. Because if that was the case, then someone who you will see linked to Man United anyway, but makes sense, is Sander Berge, who is Norwegian. Mm-hmm. That helps because Solskjaer yeah. only knows Norwegian. He's missed out the other Norwegian. So yeah, let's go one. for the other one. Um, Sander Berge is excellent. Plays for Genk. Yeah. He's very good. He's very, very good. He's a big... Again, a, a, night, a big rangy, like very tall, long-legged midfielder who can hold the base, passes well, tackles well, doesn't move with that much grace, but kind of does it efficiently anyway. Yeah, yeah. In a kind of like in the Manumatic style, like later year in the Manumatic yeah. style, where he's not doesn't look great, but he does do it properly. Yeah. And Burgess, I mean, I don't know how much he'll cost, but if he's from Genk. You'd imagine we're talking 20 million max. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And he's in the right mould. He's of the right hey. age. Huh? A hey, mould. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's in the right age, the right mould uh, to, to fall into that kind of Man United target range. And I think he'd be, I think I think he's he's good enough to play for a top six Premier League side. I think it's a very good side. They were linked with um, yeah. Gedson Fernandez. Benfica. Oh, goodness me, that would cost a lot. Um, well, he has a £102 million release clause. Yeah, they all do, uh, But the report from Sky Sports said, um, but Benfica concede they will not get that kind of money for an out-of-favour player. I, I, I think Jensen's an alright player. As a player, I think Jensen Fernandez is really good. If you're going to so, go and sign a, a Benfica midfielder, you should go and sign Florentino, Florentino Luis. Luis. By the way, a little story on a Man United midfielder that is currently at the club, Scott McTominay, who's been getting a lot of... Uh, criticism from United fans recently. Well, like, it goes from very high to very low. It yeah, really it. does. There's, there's he, no middle ground. He's just an, quite. He's just all right, isn't he's he? He's the quite next good. saviour, or he's the scourge. He's all right. Like he's, fine. he's a decent footballer. But I did hear a, a funny story because I was ask, asking someone um, at a Premier League club about him who'd, who'd come up against him. And he said he's one of the most annoying players they've ever come up against. He said the players could not stop talking about him because he was such a wind-up merchant. I said, I don't, I'm not going to say the club, but apparently McTominay was literally going around the pitch, winding people up, getting in their ears, saying things like, how much money are you earning, mate? Hey, what do you get here then? What do you get here? How's it going? Is it going all right? And like literally just trying to rattle them. <laughs> he said by the end of the game, it, a lot of the players were really annoyed with him. Bearing in mind, there were players on that team who were earning more money than McTominay was earning. It made it even funnier. And I think that it actually bothered them even more that McTominay thought he earned more money than he did. Listen, I don't know if it's 100% true, but it would be very unlikely that this person made that story up. Actually, it made me quite like McTominay. I think 
Oh, that's why he's in the team. That's quite funny. Yeah, I'm quite funny. into it. It's um, it's a good crack. Yeah. Who would you sign? Sander Burge, that good for you? I think Sander Burge would be good. I mean, the only thing I've heard on that, actually, is that, weirdly, um, West Ham are, are actually at the front of the queue for Sander Burge because of the kind of connections um, that kind of work these transfers out and the people that he's got representing him. I thought you were about to say because of the connections David Moyes has then. <laughs> Absolutely not. The no. I met um, David Moyes the other week. Yeah? Who haven't like, you met? Were you at the job interview with him? No, I wasn't, I'm afraid. Um, I was I was in the pub after Fulham versus Leeds United. Oh, yeah. And David Moyes was just sat there in the pub. He was pulling pints. What, in um, Fulham? Yeah, the old Suffolk Punch where we record after after Fulham games. And it, Billy McKinley, who was an old Fulham caretaker manager, given his forever Fulham award at the game. He's obviously good friends with David oh, yeah, Moyes and brought David Moyes along with him. And so we were just in the pub and I was like, that's David Moyes. And so my brother got a photo with him for his Ever- Everton supporting friend. Um, nice. And yeah, it was a nice day. He had a good chat with him. Good geezer. Wow. Nice. I wish him all the best in his new, well, sort of new role at West He'll Ham. He'll need it. <laughs> I am. Um... <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. Well, yeah. that was that. Um, that is the end of the roulette wheel for today. And that brings us on nicely to Dean Jones's Melon of the Decade. It's time for Melon of the Decade. <laughs> this decade's Melon of the Decade isn't actually a footballer. It's a football club. I've given this one to Sunderland Football Club. AFC, Sunderland AFC. <laughs> AFC Sunderland, oh, fair. Um, so Sunderland began the decade in the Premier League and they ended the 29-10 campaign, um, 13th in the Premier League. At this stage, they were a decent Premier League side. They had a good squad. They had players like Jordan Henderson on board. They had Steve Malbronk. They had Kieran Richardson. They had Darren Bent. Um they had a decent little squad. They, they were was, decent, yeah. They were was Danny, they were... Danny Welbeck was there, wasn't he? Danny Welbeck came in, and think, and then the next season, um, they were still doing fine. They thirteenth, tenth, thirteenth in Premier League. Then they started to slide a little, and twenty seventeen, eighteen, they were in the Championship, got relegated again. Back to back relegations. Back to back relegations in twenty fourth as well, right? Yeah, they came bottom of the came Premier League bottom. and then bottom of the Championship. It was it was a really bad look. I mean, that's pretty much as bad as it gets. And so as we stand today, they are thirteenth in League One. Interesting. Two leagues below, literally exactly where they were. Interesting. The Tidbit from that um, is that Sunderland. This is Sunderland's lowest ever position <laughs> in the football league, in- having played a game. I mean, that's a bad decade. That's bad look. really bad, yeah. Bad look. Yeah, sorry, lads. Many of you will know Sunderland from the Sunderland Till I Die Netflix documentary. And it's really, really easy to feel very sorry for them. Because, I mean, that, that, that campaign that they went down into the championship, and that, that documentary starts and it's full of optimism. They appoint a new <laughs> captain who's a local lad. They all talk about how they're going straight back up. They're going to try and get back up. Promotion's the, promotion's the goal. It just goes... Bad to worse and even worse again, it's and cringe. in the end, it doesn't it doesn't work out for them. And then last season, they lost the playoff final to get back into the championship. It's just been like it's been body blow after body blow. And, and then are, that, and then that captain left to go to Hull. It's just like yeah. it just keeps getting worse. Yeah, really. So, but but it's an incredible documentary. It's it's the best one that that anyone's made on football. I think it's yeah, it's, it is it's, probably, it's absolutely yeah. better than the Manchester City one. Well, it's just re- it feels really real and really yeah, raw. And does. I think it's easy to I think potentially that's because they're losing. 
in the, in the city documentary it's all kind of yeah, well true. and good because they're winning everything and yes yeah. there are lows during the thing but on the whole it's one high after another after another yeah. whereas the Southampton one is like body blow after yeah, body it's blow after it's, it's cruel it's really uncomfortable yeah to it's watch, uncomfortable yeah. but it's, it, you, have to, you have to watch very it good, very it is, yes, good it is TV. brilliant very good TV it's yeah Google, go on, son. <laughs> I hope they come back. Yeah, so about, it's a harsh, Sunderland. harsh to call them melons, but, but I, they are. I mean they've the people terrib- have been making the big decisions. They've been terribly run. Like, yeah, exactly. really bad. They're the melons. Run, and they're the real melons here. So, not the Sunderland fans, supporters, sure. fair play to yeah, you. Yeah, we've got to be Sunderland fans. We're with Bounce you. back this decade. Excellent. And... That is the first nonsense siren of 2020. <laughs> Sam, what you got for me? We should get a new siren. Maybe yeah, I did wonder. Yeah. I did wonder if might it be might time be time for a new, new year. One. No, it's too late now. Yeah. Maybe I'll get someone to record one. Maybe a footballer will record us a nonsense siren. Yeah. Maybe that's our New, Year's, Crouch? Re- new Year's resolution. No, we get a footballer. Crouch. Get he owes us a favour. He, he, he does. But uh, yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get, get a footballer to record us a nonsense siren, and that will be the that be the goal for the year. Okay. okay, New Year's resolution for the podcast. Give that a go. We solved a mystery last year. Yeah, this, this time year we're going to take it even further. Um, the first nonsense of the year. Well, it would be themed for the season. I've done my three best and three worst Christmas presents. Lovely, because mm. I did actually get some to my to my six presents. To my shock. I got more than six. I wow. was absolutely floored by it. Although there are some technicalities that you may wish to pull me up on there later. Um, we'll start with the best. Okay. At number three, it is a bit of a weak start. It's this giant chocolate fudge block on a stick. You put it, you put it in a cup with marshmallows that come with it and you sort of eat slash drink it. I don't really know, but it's kind of cool. Does it, have you tasted it yet? No. <laughs> that could be the best. Because I didn't you get like the awful. concept a lot. I didn't get that many presents, okay? Um, number two... Gloves, but they're very grown-up gloves. They're very stylish, and on each of the index fingers, they've got that different material, so So you you can can use use your phone. phone. Now, this is not new technology. I had some of those last year, but I got drunk and left them on the train. So to get some new ones, I really really appreciated that. That's basically what I wanted from Christmas. Nice. That's good. So that's good. And at number one is the Nintendo Switch that I bought myself. (laughs) Um, Obviously, that's top. The other two things are a bit of chocolate and some gloves. Into the worst. <laughs> At number three, I got given a mug with Brussels sprouts on. From who? From my sister. Mm. Um, oh. It is a good, sturdy mug, but my cupboard is full of mugs and I hate sprouts. Number two. That is annoying. Yeah. Your sister's really messed yeah. up there. Number Does she listen? Th- no. Oh. Yeah. I'll play her that bit. Yeah. Number two, I got a beard grooming kit. So now I have to grow a beard so I can use it. Oh, please don't. Um, <laughs> you look terrible with a beard. Well, that's the thing. My fiance has told me that she doesn't like me with a beard either. No. And that she has threatened to shave me in my sleep if I try. <laughs> so now I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. I thought it was place. suffocating. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't anything to do with the beard. Oh, that, was yeah. just, that was just general. general. <laughs> so I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, really. Like, either I can't use the kit at all. Or I get shaved in my sleep. Yeah. I just wouldn't use the kit, mate. In fact, I might just stick it on eBay. Yeah. Is it a good one? It looks quite nice. It's got beard oils and stuff Keep like that. Keep it in. for someone who, one of I your mean, mates who has a beard on their like 30th birthday or something. Yeah, I mean, I, can, I don't really I've need to shave. Me and Jack don't really to, need to yeah, shave, so we don't need it. Put it back together. I've already opened yeah, it. Yeah, just put it back together. Okay, could do. Package it up nicely again. Yeah. And then yeah. give it to one of your mates who has a beard for their 30th. You I've saved got... yourself a 30th gift. Bang. I'll rewrap Run. it. Yeah. Like the bread maker. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My favourite story about rewrapping gift is once my uncle, someone bought him a paint your own gnome. 
uh-huh. for Christmas, and so the next year he painted it and gave it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's god, that's good. great! Yeah. Um, okay. Well, number one, worst present. Worst present was the um, Christmas blend coffee that I was given. Oh, sounds and, right. You no, know, that's the thing. It, it sounds great. It tastes awful and it's oh, ranked no. number one because it's the first cup of coffee i've ever thrown down the sink oh wow I, that is bad i love coffee me too. i drink it all the time and and this just really got is it to instant me. or is it no like... it, no it was like um it was a cafetiere brew uh-huh. you know four minutes down it was pr- it was proper but it had all these like festive flavors in yeah no and what the problem is, is there were so many of them that Couldn't it just got it got a bit weird and there was one in there that's like an orangey flavor mm. now you can have like vanilla flavored coffee you can have all sorts of infusions do not go for orange infused coffee it will just murder your taste buds so this really hurt and the problem is is that i actually brewed it in front of the person that gave it to me and then was chatting to them while having a sip so i had one or two sips and was like this tastes a bit weird three or four and i'm like okay i literally cannot drink this this is horrendous i'm trying not to wince so i waited for the person in question to go into the toilet ran to the sink threw it away and made another one in the same cup and then they and came back. What a normal car- cup. And I carried on drinking my other coffee <laughs> and made it seem like I was still drinking the Christmas blend. Nice. <laughs> That's you such done, a British thing to do. You've done well there. You, you should have just been like, this hurt is rank, per- mate. Yeah. I, I love that you just don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Yeah, I know. I couldn't I do it. I would have done the same. I couldn't do it. Once, uh, years ago, about 10 years ago, I was at Watford and it was a night game. It was freezing. I was in the press room and poor, I'd had a cup of tea and I was talking to someone, and while I was talking to them, and they were like a more senior journalist, like quite serious and stuff, so I was like taking it very seriously, talking to them, and I just poured while we were talking, like, more tea into my polystyrene cup that I've been drinking from, and um, it turned out that I'd poured coffee in. <laughs> so I now had a half tea, half coffee, <laughs> but was talking to this person that I, like, really respected and stuff, and didn't want to be seen to be, like, a child or immature or an idiot, and... I just drunk it. <laughs> it was so bad. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Did you not have the option right. to just not drink it? I could have just put, I don't know, I just... just you just felt like you no, had to. Normal. Yeah, act just normal, act normal, it? just yeah. carry on, pretend it's not, it's so bad. Don't ever have half a cup of tea, half a cup of coffee. <laughs> Advice willingly taken on board. Right, and that make that your New Year's resolution for 2020 as well. Any New Year's resolutions before we close this out? What, apart from getting a footballer to do a nonsense, Aaron? No, I mean, not for the podcast, for yourself. Oh, no, I don't do those. Dean? Um, I'm cancelling my gym membership. Um, I've spe- I've wasted money on it over the past year. I think I've been three times. It's £30 a month. Um, my wife's used it a few times. Mm. Um, it's a complete waste of money. Uh, I'm clearly not going to go ever again. So, yeah, as most people are signing up, I'll be phoning them. Uh, 2nd of Jan, done. I once did a full 12-month calendar year, £50 a month. Didn't go once. <laughs> wow, mate, that's bad. That's a lot. That's actually low. I, mean, I did actually freeze mine for three months. You were able to freeze it. So I got away with like Didn't do a that. few months at like £2 a month. I just yeah. think it was on my to-do list. It just kept dropping yeah. down and the down. The problem is with my one, you actually have to phone to cancel it. No, They've got me there no. because I don't like talking to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just want to do it online. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Actually. It's like the same with booking a restaurant. Get on open table, yes. lads. I'm not ringing you up. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll go to a different restaurant if you're trying to make me <laughs> ring up to get a table. Absolutely no chance. Uh, mine is I want to go to Napoli's San Paolo Stadium what year. before it falls down yeah basically <laughs> uh, that's my New Year's resolution yeah, I just picked the stadium was I'd like to go there this year so that's, uh, that's seems on the list pretty, seems yeah. pretty Naples to go Naples, on, Naples is on in 2020 right we go. well thank you very much for listening thank you very much to Sam Tai 
Thank you. Thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. Happy New Year from the Rank Squad. We'll be back to full YouTube programming next week. We will be back on video. But I hope you've enjoyed our festive schedule of treats for you. And just an entire year of podcasting. Yeah, mostly just the festive bit. Okay, we've done a whole year now. Yeah, well, no, the next episode will be our our year anniversary. anniversary, So uh, the first episode was recorded on the 6th of January. uh, And the next episode will obviously be on the 7th of January. So so there we go. we cool. will be we will be making we'll be, our yeah. year anniversary. We will celebrate. We will celebrate. We will have a cake. Okay. Really? So, yeah. Go out to dinner. Yeah, we might go out for dinner, but I think we'll just have a cake. Yeah. Um, dinner. Yeah, that's basically dinner. Happy New Year, Frank Squad. Thank you for putting up with us for an entire year. Twenty twenty is bigger and better things. Enjoy your celebrations wherever you are in the world, and we'll see you soon. Take care.